Today on The Girl Defined Show, we're taking a practical and very biblical look at how to battle against fear, anxiety, and worry in our lives. Hey, sisterhood, it is Kristen Clark here, and it is just me chatting with you guys today. If you're new to The Girl Defined Show, sometimes you know it's just me, sometimes it's me and Bethany, my sister, um, sometimes we have guests on. We just love to mix it up and keep you guys on your toes so you never quite know what you're going to get. But hopefully it's always really encouraging and really helpful to you. And I think today's show is going to be especially helpful to every single person listening because I have yet to meet someone in my life who has said like, no, I never wrestle with fear, anxiety, worry. Like, no, that's just not really my struggle. (laughs) If that's you, please email me your secret because that's definitely not my story. I have wrestled with fear, anxiety, and worry for as long as I can remember. Um, It's just something that I battle. I tend to be a worrier. I tend to get anxious about things quickly. Bethany can attest to this just even in Girl Defined Ministries. Um, If something really hard or heavy happens or someone makes like a really mean comment about us, (laughs) I'm the one who's worried about it. I'm the one who gets anxious about it. I'm the one thinking about it. It'll keep me up at night if I don't handle it biblically. And Bethany's just more like, okay, whatever, moving on. (laughs) And so for some of us, we might battle with this more than others. And I know for me, this these things are definitely something that that I find my heart just wrestling with regularly. And so I need God's truth. I need practical biblical tools to battle this in my heart as I'm as I'm facing fear, as I'm feeling anxious, as I'm worried, as I'm losing sleep, as my heart rate is picking up. I mean, just I think back on um I'll share, you'll hear today in today's episode, but just from the time I was a little girl until now, I just see so many signs in my own heart. I mean, nail biting, like I'm a major nail biter. Any other fellow nail, nail biters out there? And I've just seen over and over that, like when I just like chomping at my nails, it's so clear to me that I'm anxious about something because whenever I'm chewing on my nails, it means I'm like really worried (laughs) and it's how I'm processing. (laughs) So my husband's always trying to help me like, hey, babe, you know, he sees me and it's like that visible sign of like, hey, don't chew. Like, what's going on? What are you thinking about? And he always knows I'm in deep thought. So that's for me just been a little sign, kind of a funny one. But what is it for you? You know, what do you find yourself fearful about, anxious about, worried about? And do you feel like you have biblical tools to really help battle these struggles in your heart? Um, If not, I think you're going to be super encouraged by today's episode. And today's episode is actually the breakout session that I taught at the recent Girl Define conference. And so you're going to notice the audio is going to change a little bit. Um, it's not going to be studio quality recording audio. So it's going to sound a little bit different, but it's it's the actual audio from the breakout session I just recently taught at the conference. And um, so many girls attended. I taught it twice, each of the breakout sessions, because I think it, it connects with us. Um, and I could just see as I looked into the faces of my fellow sisters who were there in person that they were resonating. They were relating to what I was saying and the truths that I was bringing. And I'm bringing these truths to my heart every single day. And I hope that they're really encouraging to you. I also wanted to remind you guys that um, if you, at the end of this episode, if you're like, man, that was so good. I want more biblical truth about these practical issues that I'm facing in my life. Well, I have really good news for you because the newest book that's coming out that Bethany and I wrote together is called Not Part of the Plan, Trusting God with the Twists and Turns of Your Story. And y'all, if you haven't heard 
This book is, I I don't know, I think it might be my favorite by far um, up to this point of the Girl Defined Collection because this book is one that Bethany and I open up our lives and share our stories in the most raw and vulnerable way yet. You know, we always try to be transparent with you, with the sisterhood. We want to share like really the struggles that are going on in our hearts, really like the, the ups and the downs. And in this book, not part of the plan, we open up and share each of our journeys of just unexpected things happening in our lives. I'll talk about some of those in today's episode. In that breakout session I taught, you'll hear that in just a few minutes. But, you know, just my long journey of infertility, recurrent miscarriage, like so many times over and over again, I had to trust the Lord. I had to fight against that anxiety, that fear, that worry. And we unpack this in not part of the plan in detail. So if you like today, if you like today's episode, you are going to love this book. It releases October 12th, 2021, but it's available for pre-order everywhere. Um, We're going to have some epic pre-order bonuses that we're going to announce soon too. So whether you pre-order now or wait till you see the bonuses, regardless, you will get them if you pre-order. And it's just a way for us to encourage you to grab it early. um, So the day it releases, it will get shipped to you. You can grab a copy, pre-order, or just get more details over at our website at girldefined.com slash shop. And then of course, it's available on Amazon and all digital booksellers right now for pre-order. So check it out, not part of the plan, trusting God with the twists and turns of your story. And as you listen to today's episode, I would love to hear from you. Feel free to shoot me an email at kristen at girldefined.com. I really love hearing from you. Um, just how did this episode encourage you? Um, what were, what are you struggling with? Can I encourage you further? I love to dialogue about this. Also, over on our Instagram at Girl Define, Facebook, facebook.com slash Girl Define. We love to continue these conversations about this topic. So without further ado, I really, really hope you find encouragement as we dig into God's word together about fear, anxiety, and worry. All right. So we all already agreed that we all struggle with worry, fear, anxiety. So we're amongst friends here, right? <laughs> so none of us are ahead of the other. I think this is something we can all relate to. And I know for me, You might be surprised, but as a child, I was actually a very shy, timid child. Not outgoing. Um, Like in my family, I was with my siblings, but when I would go somewhere, I was very timid. I was very fearful and worried of new situations. Like I remember specifically going to choir at my church and I was so worried that my mom would leave. And so I would ask her to stay and sit in the pew the whole time so that I could always see that she was there. And I don't know why, just worried, worried, fearful. Bethany always did new things before me because she was like, whatever, like our personality differences. She's like marches into something with no plan. And I'm like, I need every plan in place. And I think at the core of my worry now, as I'm older and look back, I think I struggle with the fear of man in a lot of ways. What's going to happen? And just not being in control, not knowing what's going to happen. What, what do they think of me? Do I seem? Do I sound stupid? Do I look stupid? Do they like me? You know, all these things that a lot of us wrestle with. I really struggle with that a lot. And I've seen this in my life from when I was little, little up until now. And so I I look back and I see, oh, I had a lot of worry and fear even as a child about things. Um, And you know, one of the signs for me when I know I'm worrying and fearful is that I bite my nails. These are fake nails. They cover up the evidence (laughs) of my fear and worry, especially this past week. I was like, you know, like drilling them off like, no, like Lord, help me. Any other nail biters in here? Okay, it's not always, doesn't always mean you're worrying and fearful, but for me it does, because when I'm like deeply like, oh, you know, I just start, and Zach's like, hey, hey, like, so it's a good sign, I know, I remember from a little age, chomp, 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 chewing those nails, hit teen years, 
That's when the fear of man really kicked in, right? Like, oh, what does that boy think of me? Or, oh, those friends, like, oh, I think they hate me. And just all the things that you're worried about, you're fearful about. I played sports and if I had a really bad game at basketball, like, oh, no, I let my team down. You know, what does my coach think? Like, worry, fear, anxiety, plans after high school, right? You hit your senior, everyone asks you, like, what's your plan? What are you doing? Like, I don't know. And it can be so hard. And there's a lot of anxious thoughts. Remember feeling that. Chomp, 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 chomp. Chewing those nails. Hit my single years. Worried that I would never get married. You know, like I'm like 20 and I'm like, am I ever going to get married? Like if I could tell my younger self now, like chill, honey, it's going to be okay. You're 20. But you know, in that moment you wonder, you're fearful. Like, oh, like I really hope I see other friends getting married. Will that ever happen to me? Anxious about the future, the what ifs, chomp, 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 chewing those nails off. Then I got married. And I remember thinking before I got married, if I could just get married, that's when life would really get easy. And all the married ladies laugh, right? (laughs) Because we know marriage is a blessing, but it's also challenging. And just getting married doesn't mean that all of our struggles go away. In fact, you have new things to worry about, new things to be fearful about, new things to be anxious about. And I had no, I, I knew, but it's like I didn't really put two and two together. So here I am married to an amazing man, but a lot of you know our journey and our struggle over the past 10 years, it hasn't been easy. Wanting to start a family, that not happening, going through two early miscarriages, and then years of unexplained infertility. Another miscarriage two years ago, got pregnant out of the blue, almost hit my first trimester, miscarried again, so hard, and just worrying. I found myself fearful, or actually like worried that I wouldn't get pregnant, but then fearful if I would. Because it was like, I, Lord, I want this so bad. And then, but if I get pregnant, what if I miscarry again? And I just can't go through that pain. I can't walk that road again. That was too much, Lord. Oh. So it was like this weird tension in my heart. And I saw all of these fears and worries going on and just chomp, 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 chewing, chewing, chewing. And it's through all of this and still continuing to today. I see this pattern, this default in my flesh to when things are hard or I'm nervous about something or I don't know what to expect. It's amazing how even after all this time, I still have to fight against just turning to anxiety, fear, and worry. Anyone else relating here with me on this as you look at your own season of life, your own past history, whether you're really young, really old, something that we all struggle with. I know I'm not alone here. And so as you sit here today and you think of your own life and what's going on in your little world, what do you find yourself worried about? What do you find yourself fearful about? Like what's top of mind for you? Like what's that thing that keeps going over and over in your mind or that circumstance that's coming up or that thing happening this fall where you're just like, oh, I feel worried. I feel anxious. I don't have a solution. I don't know what's going to happen. This is hard. I just want this to be over, right? Something we all face. I looked up some statistics on worry. This was kind of humorous. It said that when we worry, we typically worry about 40% of things that never happen right? So we worry, worry, worry. And most often 40% of what we worry about never happens. 30% of what we worry about are things that happened in the past. So not even things that are to come, but things that have already happened as we reflect back on it, we're fearful, worried, and anxious. 22% of things we worry about are petty worries. So like little things that don't really matter. Like I got a flat tire, like, oh, so much anxiety. It's like, okay, we're going to get through this broken nail or my coffee order was wrong. Like all the things, 22% petty worries. And then 8% are actual legitimate concerns. So I found that humorous and kind of sobering. Like, okay, and as I look at my own life, I see that that's often true. 
right? 40% things that never happened, 30% things done in the past, 22% petty concerns, petty worries, and 8% legitimate things, like real hard life circumstances or real things that are going on. The National Institute of Mental Health said, posted that an estimated 19.1% of U.S. adults had an anxiety disorder in the past year. And a Washington, Washington Post article I found said a third of Americans now show signs of clinical anxiety. So something very real that is plaguing a lot of us. Third of Americans, that's a huge number. That's way huger than I was expecting. Another recent poll found that 39% of adults in the U.S. are more anxious today than they were a year ago. And this is a kind of post-COVID. I know we're still in COVID, but 39% of adults now, before COVID, they find themselves more anxious. Makes sense, right? There's a lot of things to be anxious about. I mean, from a world standpoint, like, yeah, it's been hard. I found something really interesting and eye-opening online. It was a statistics of people who say that they really struggle with worry. I don't know how they found this, but they did some poll, and it's by country. So the top four countries that have the most people who struggle with worry, anxiety. United States was number one. Interesting. A country where we have so much opportunity, so much at our fingertips, so much wealth in comparison to so many countries, so many resources, and yet we were number one out of all the countries in the world to have the highest numbers of anxiety. And then they broke this down into men and women. And out of men and women in the U.S., 45% of women said they struggle with anxiety on a regular basis and 30% of men. The next highest country was China. Women were higher than men. Women at 28%, significantly lower than the U.S., men at 15%. The third highest country was Brazil with 28% of women struggling regularly with anxiety, 14% of men. And then the fourth highest was India, 18% of women, 13% of men. What do all of these countries have in common? Shout it out. <laughs> the women are significantly higher than the men. Now, I don't know if it's just that the men aren't being honest, but I think this is probably true. Because when I look at my own marriage, I find myself worried about a lot of things that my husband is like, what? Oh, didn't really notice. Like, <gasps> it's like keeping me up at night and he's snoring, right? I think on average, we as women, we're multitaskers, we're relational, we're spinning all the plates, and men struggle with this too, but I think these statistics are probably pretty accurate. And how sad that in America, 45% of women struggle with anxiety on a regular basis in a country where we should, by all secular standpoints, be the happiest and the most content because we're the land of dreams and promises and where all of our realities can become true, right? But it's like, look at us. We are not a peaceful people. So that is clear. We as women, we struggle with anxiety. We struggle with worry and fear. And I know that talking about anxiety, it's a very hot button topic. I was just talking with some ladies before the session and they said, wow, this is a pretty hot button topic. We see it in society a lot. It has anxiety has been categorized as a mental health condition most often. And I know that's controversial to dig into and I'm no doctor, so I'm not going to be prescribing anything except looking at God's word and seeing what God's word has to say about this. Because anxiety, fear, worry, these aren't modern issues. These aren't issues that a mental health doctor can say, oh, I can now diagnose you. These have been heart conditions from the beginning of time. Like I said, Adam and Eve in the garden. What did they do right after they sinned? They hid and said, we hid because we were afraid. Fear, worry, right there. I'm sure they were feeling anxiety for the first time. Never had felt that before. So this isn't a modern problem, but a condition of the human heart. And like I said before, God's word brings hope and healing to our heart problems because that's what God specializes in. He created us. 
He designed us and he has answers to our sin struggles. And so often I think fear, worry, and anxiety are symptoms of a deeper problem. The world offers us a lot of band-aids and I'm sure a lot of them are helpful and offer temporary fixes. But what God's word offers is something that's lasting, that is unchanging, that transcends time and cultures and circumstances. Sin is truly the reason at the core core of ourselves as humans. That's why we wrestle with fear, worry, and anxiety because of sin. Anxiety isn't the result of our circumstances. I think we often think it is. Anxiety isn't the result of our circumstances, but the result of our response to our circumstances. That's hugely key to understand because I think we often think, well, if my circumstances changed, then I wouldn't be anxious. I wouldn't have this problem. Yeah, sure, the problem would be removed, but the heart condition is still the same. So as soon as something else comes in your life that causes that heart condition to come back up, it's going to be right there again. So removing circumstances might make it look like the fear, anxiety, and worry are gone, but really it's just until the next thing happens, right? And so it's not a result of our circumstances, but a result of our response to our circumstances, which is why biblically we can find so much hope because, because God's word offers us solutions that transcend our situations, and our circumstances that are true, whether we're in them or out of them. Matt Chandler, a popular pastor and author up in the Dallas area said that anxiety is a feeling built around what you believe to be true, worked out in your physical form. Anxiety is a feeling built around what you believe to be true, worked out in your physical form. And that is why we have so much hope in the gospel, because God's word helps us to get to our inner feelings and what we really believe to be true about him, about life, about our circumstances and what we believe the solution is. So I want you to open up your Bibles. We're going to look at two passages that I think are some of the key passages in scripture for tackling this huge topic of fear, worry, and anxiety. So if you have your Bibles, open them up. If you have a phone, if you have a neighbor, you can glance over and share her Bible. I really want you guys to see these passages because these are going to be passages I want you all to return to time and time again from now until you die as you wrestle with this, as we unpack the truth of how these passages apply to our hearts. These, the truths you learn today really could change the course of your life because of how you respond to God's truth and what that does for you. So we're going to look at Matthew, 5, or Matthew 6. Turn to Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And I got the reference wrong in the first session. So this one starts with, therefore I tell you. Is that right? Yes. Everyone? Okay. So whenever you see a therefore in scripture, you're supposed to ask, what is it there for? Right? A therefore means... Because this and this and this, therefore, do this and this and this. And so this passage is titled, Do Not Be Anxious. How fitting. Written over 2,000 years. Or I don't know when Matthew, that was less than, do you know? Yeah, 2,000 years ago. Do not be anxious. Something we've been struggling with time and time again. Right before this passage, guess what Jesus is talking about? Laying up treasures in heaven. He's saying, lay up your treasures in heaven where, where moth nor rust can destroy. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So if your treasure, your heart is focused on eternal things, then guess what? That's where your treasure is. And when you have that heart, therefore, don't be anxious, right? So it's like, remember the bigger picture. And because of that, therefore, don't be anxious. That's what's setting us up for this passage we're about to read. Matthew 6, 25 through 20, 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. 
Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? That verse always gets me. And verse 28, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore, so another therefore, so in light of all of this, therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father knows you need them all. He knows, but seek first, first and foremost, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And this last verse, this is the one I turned to three days ago when my computer broke. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for today. It's like, yes, Lord, help me right now. I trust you for tomorrow. So many things in this passage over and over again. I just love how this is beautifully unpacked, showing us It's not just saying, don't be anxious, but showing us why. It's almost convincing us. Like, look at the lilies, look at the birds, look at the grass. Like, if God cares about that, how much more does he care about you? Oh, you of little faith, God cares for you. He sees you, he's with you. That's why we're called to not be anxious. It's not because our circumstances aren't real or things aren't really hard, but because God is with us and he cares for us. All right, the other key passage we're going to look at, flip forward in your Bible to Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. This is another passage that is so practical, step-by-step, showing us why we don't have to be anxious or worried and how we can truly experience peace by putting our trust in the Lord. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, had to add that one in, (laughs) with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God wants to hear from us. He wants to hear our requests. It's not just suck it up and make it work. It's like, no, don't be anxious. Bring them to me with thanksgiving. Right, God is calling us to bring those things to him. And then what does he say? Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. What an amazing promise. And then it continues on, verse eight and nine. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think, right? So often our worry for anxiety starts with our thoughts. Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, practice, not one and done. And the God of peace will be with you. Again, that promise of peace Here's what I call you to walk in. Here's who I am. Here's how I'm taking care of you. God says, bring your request to me with thanksgiving. Don't be anxious. And as you do that, as you practice that, 
the God of peace will be with you. This is an amazing promise that we see here in Matthew and Philippians. The world cannot offer us this. The world cannot offer us a peace that transcends our circumstances. And truly, if we think about anxiety, isn't it really the opposite of peace? Can you be genuinely peace-filled and anxiety-ridden at the same time? I don't think so. I don't think they go hand in hand. So we can either, as women, see, see clearly in these passages that we can walk out a life of filled with anxiety or embrace the truths of God's word and really put them into practice, walk in them faithfully, and God says, and the God of peace will be with you. Both of these passages talk about peace. Very interesting. The opposite of anxiety. And this is something the world can't offer us outside of Christ. Like I said, the world can give us band-aids, solutions, try to mask the problem, but truly at the core of our heart issue, it's a sin issue that we're wrestling with in some way or another. Things we wrestle with in our hearts come out physically, right? For me, it's biting my nails. I get knots in my stomach when I'm real anxious. And sometimes it can even come out in real serious physical conditions that we seek medical help for, right? The the Psalms even talk about that, like David, like wasting away in my bones. And it's like, we can have physical symptoms based on the conditions of our heart, the anxiety, fear, worry, what it does to us. God is saying, I can offer you lasting peace. And I've seen God do this in my life over and over again. I am still in a season, even though we have our beautiful two boys so grateful. It's not like my desire to conceive naturally and have a biological child has just gone away. I still pray for that. And I jokingly say, like, I'll be praying for it till I hit menopause. You know, like, I'm there's still hope. Like, maybe, maybe God has that for me. I don't know. But it's still a longing and it's still a prayer. But I'm amazed to see as I look back, even just a few years ago, to where my heart is now. And I see how God truly has given me a peace, even in the midst of my unfulfilled longings, in the midst of what feels like an unanswered prayer in so many ways. God has given me his peace as I have put on the truth of this passage. When we experience anxiety, I think it's the result of three sinful responses that are all of our default responses. I'm going to share what those three sinful responses are, and then we're going to look at three truths that counter those three very common sinful responses. We're going to look at three truths from these passages that we can put on to combat what produces anxiety. What do we need to put on to experience true peace in and out of every season of life? The Bible calls us to not be passive listeners of our heart, right? As women, we always hear like, follow your heart, do what feels good, do what makes you happy. Like all of these common things, like these lingos and this like from Disney, from the time you're young till you get old. But we see in God's word, we aren't called to just listen to our hearts, right? The Bible talks about our hearts being deceitful and wicked above all things. So why would we listen to our hearts? That's the last thing we should truly be listening to for truth. We go to God's word and we guide our hearts, We guide our feelings by the truths of God's word. I have a lot of emotions that go up and down. I taught a breakout session last year called Overcoming Crazy Girl Emotions. And yes, I need these truths. But so often it's because I'm not guiding my heart by the truth of God's word. I'm listening to my heart. I'm a passive listener. And then I just go with wherever my emotions take me. But as I renew my mind and my heart with God's truth, then it actually affects how I feel. And so often our anxiety, fear, worry, it's rooted in real circumstances, but we're passively listening to our hearts rather than saying, yes, that's real, but heart, remember this. And that's what these two passages are calling us to do, to counsel our hearts with the truth of God. 
So three sinful responses that lead to anxiety. The first one is we give in to worry. Worry, 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 worry. We've talked a lot about that already. For me, I saw this worry like I shared in longing to get pregnant, worried that it would never happen over these past 10 years, worried about this diagnosis I had of unexplained infertility. Like what? How can you not explain this? There's obviously a problem. Why can't you find an answer? I mean, I was like so confused and still to this day, no official diagnosis. It's been hard. And I find myself worried, 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 and seeing that come out in anxiety in my heart. The second simple response, fear. This is a huge one. Fear. For me, fearing that I wouldn't get pregnant and then fearing that I would get pregnant. It was like both sides of the spectrum, fear on both sides, like the enemy had me in both corners. So much fear in my heart, fear of missing out, fear that all my friends were moving ahead in their seasons of life, my sister, sisters-in-law, and here I am left behind. Everyone else is moving ahead. Like, Lord, will I ever, will I ever get to where they are? I just, I long for that so bad. Fearful, so much fear seeing that come out of my life in anxiety. Third, third sinful response that we see in these two passages, Matthew and Philippians, discontentment. Mm-hmm. Discontentment. I saw that in my own heart, so discontent with my season of life. I didn't want to be in that season. I was married. I loved it, but I wanted to move forward. I wanted to have children. I wanted to to enter that next stage of life because, you know, we think, yes, if I could just get that, then I would truly be happy, right? Then life would really be moving forward. Then I would finally have all the things that I need. Found my heart very discontent. I was discontent toward God often for not answering my prayers. Like, Lord, you say this is a good thing. Why aren't you answering my prayers? And I'm sure a lot of you feel that. From little things to big things like, Lord, why aren't you working? Why aren't you doing something here? Discontentment. The object of our affection becomes an idol, and we just find ourselves grumbling all the time, impatient in the waiting. So as I see these passages and I look at my own heart, I truly believe that worry, fear, and discontentment are the ingredients that lead to a life of anxiety truly believe that as we see in these passages, worry, fear, and discontentment. What does that look like for your life right now? I love that we have such a variety of ages in this room. I just met a family of three generations, grandma, mom, and daughters. I love it because this is relevant for all of us. And the younger you can learn it, girls, the better off you'll be. So I'm so glad you're here. But what does this look like for you? And do you long to grow and change? You're like, yes, if I could have tools to really fight against the fear, the discontentment, and the worry that's leading to anxiety. Wow, that would be life-changing for me. Well, you're going to get the truths. Here they come. What do we do when we want to grow and change as believers? We see a problem of our hearts. How do we grow and change? What does that look like? The Bible does not leave us hanging. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says, here's what you do. You want to grow and change? You're struggling with something? Here's a three-step process. Put off your old self, Ephesians 4 says, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So this Ephesians 4 has been dubbed the put off, put on passage. And it's telling us put off the sin, put off what is not biblical and godly and true. Put that off, but don't just put it off. Don't just stop doing something. You need to then renew your mind with what is true. Okay. I need to stop doing this sinful response or this sinful choice or behavior. And now I need to renew my mind. What is actually true? 
And as I learn, I look in God's word and I see what is true. Then this is passage is saying, then put on the new self. So now you've been convicted of sin. You've studied God's word. You know, it's true. And now you're called to walk in that truth because you've been created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. We as believers are daughters of God. We have the power of God on our side, helping us working on our behalf, but we have to be obedient to the word. We can't just kick back and be like, okay, Lord, do the work. Like, no, we have to be faithful and obey what God has already revealed to us, right? So Ephesians 4, put off, put in the truth, and then put on obedience. So here are three truths for overcoming fear, anxiety, and worry. Here's the antidote to what the three sinful responses we just looked at. Put off worry, and the truth is, put on prayer. Put off worry, put on prayer. We saw this in Ephesians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, not just some of the things, everything. By what? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And if you do this, what does it say? And the God of peace, which surpasses all understanding, the world can't explain it because it doesn't make sense. It's a spiritual change, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So often our first response, and I saw this in my own heart with my computer, my first response breaks like, okay, Lord, let me go to you in prayer instead of just immediately worrying. Unfortunately, I did not obey, walk in the truth of God's word. I immediately started worrying and fretting and panicking and like, oh, Zach, you know, help me. And it wasn't until a little bit later that God gently reminded my heart, bring it to me in prayer. Bring this to me in prayer. I went to him in prayer and I prayed, you see what's happening. Please help the situation. If you can't help it, Lord, I trust you in this. And then I remember in that moment, God prompting me to thank him. What can I thank him for? Lord, Thank you for what you're going to do this weekend. Thank you for all these girls and women traveling in. Thank you for this opportunity to even have this conference. Thank you for the health that I'm feeling right now as we walk into this. I mean, there was a lot I could thank God for, and I did. And in that moment, it was amazing how rather than putting, just staying in that state of worry, I intentionally chose to put that simple response off, renewed my mind with the truth of God's word from Philippians, which I had been studying, and then I put on prayer. And it was amazing. It was like taking it. Circumstances didn't change, but I took that and I laid it in the hands of God who holds all things and said, God, you've got it. Help me to to trust you in this, right? It's the same thing I've had to do over and over again on my journey with infertility. As I found myself worrying over and over again, take it to the Lord in prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Lord, you see this. You see my need. Lord, I bring this request before you. And it's amazing how over and over and again, God has brought peace into my heart in the midst of that struggle. So prayer, God is calling us to make prayer our first response. In every situation where we could worry, don't worry, don't worry, pray. And as we faithfully do this, as we practice this, like Philippians says, put this into practice over and over again, our response will then default more often to being prayer. And we'll get to that place of peace quicker. Second truth, put off fear, put on trust. Second truth, put on trust. We can't fear and trust at the same time either. We're either fearing or we're trusting, but they cannot coexist at the same time. And fearing really is the opposite of trusting God, isn't it? 
Because when we fear what we're doing, it's like a check engine light blinking in a car. It's in our heart and it's showing us where our real hope lies. Because when we fear, we're forgetting who God is and we're placing our hope in our circumstances. And we're fearful. If only this would change, if only this wouldn't happen, if only this would be different, then it would be, you know, better. Like, yeah, maybe circumstantially, but we're, we're forgetting that our real hope, it doesn't lie in our circumstances changing. It ultimately lies in the Lord, right? And so when we choose to trust God in the midst of whatever's going on, that's when we can experience peace in the circumstances because we're choosing intentionally to put off fear and to trust the Lord. The Bible says, fear not a ton of times. Does anyone know how many? Girls, front row, the young ones, 365 times the Bible says, fear not. Do you guys think that this is a human problem? Maybe from the beginning of time, ever since sin entered the world. And how many days are there in a year? I don't think that's a coincidence, right? How incredible. Every single day of the year, we need to remember to fear not. Why? Because we're strong, because we're awesome, because we're going to make it happen. No, we as Christians, we fear not because God says, I am with you. I am right by you. I am sovereign. I am in control. I see tomorrow. You don't see tomorrow. You look at your life and it's like looking through a tiny little straw, right? That's all you can see is just what's right in front of you. You can look back, but we, we try to look forward. We can't see much. And God holds the big picture from beginning the day we were conceived to the day we're dying. He sees the entire picture. And we look at life like this and we're like, oh Lord, I don't know if I can trust you. And he's like, I see it all. And I'm working all things out for my glory and your good, for your sanctification, to make you more like Christ, to draw you into a closer relationship with me, to use your circumstances so you can minister to others in a deeper way. So instead of trusting what we can see and fearing because it's like, whoa, how's this going to work out? We put our trust in the God who sees everything, who has a good plan for our lives. Doesn't mean easy, but a good plan because he's doing work in our hearts through that. That's why we trust him. And as we put our trust in him and remember who he is, we remember his character, right? Because when we forget the character of God, that's when we forget that he's a God we can really trust. And for me, one of the hugest things that helped me in my journey of infertility and recurrent miscarriage was remembering the character and the names of God. And I actually, I'm going to recommend this to y'all later, but I found a 30-day study that took me one day at a time through a character trait or a name of God and broke it down. Like, this is what it means. This is who God is and the scriptures. And as I meditated on that, I was like, I don't want to put my trust in anything but this God because look at who he is. And so we fear when we forget who God is, but as we remind our hearts of who God is, then we we want to put our trust in him. The third truth, first truth, put, put on prayer. Second truth, put on trust. The third truth, first we need to put off discontentment and you know what's coming. Put on gratitude. Put on gratitude. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 shows us that, commands us to do that. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances. Ooh, I wish it just said some circumstances. In all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Again, we can't grumble and 
have a heart of gratitude at the same time. Do you notice how these really can't coexist? Which is why the Bible in all of these areas is saying, put off this and put on the truth. Walk in the truth. Transform. Preach to your own heart what is true. Remind your heart. Because you can't live in both camps at the same time. We can't grumble and have gratitude. So as we remember to thank God, even in the really hard things, we don't necessarily, like, in some ways for me, it wasn't, thank you, Lord, that I I'm that I have infertility. It was like, okay, that's part of our broken fault. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing through this. Thank you, Lord, for your hand in this, for how you're changing my heart, how you're drawing me closer to you, how you're using this as a way that I can minister to other women. Thank you, Lord, for what you are doing. Thank you that you are a good God. Even in the midst of this, we can choose gratitude. And that heart of discontentment, it's got to be put off. What are you walking through right now where you are grumbling in your heart? The Lord sees that. He's calling us to put off that heart of grumbling and put on a heart of gratitude. And we can thank God for exposing the idols, right? Because grumbling reveals, really, there's an idol. There's something in my heart that I am, I'm saying, God, if I were you, I wouldn't be doing it this way. So a lot of pride. We're not truly trusting God. We're saying, God, if I were God, this would be different. We're not God. He is. So we go to him and say, thank you, Lord, that you are God, that I am not, and that I can trust you with this. Peace is the result of putting on these three biblical responses. So as we put off the unbiblical responses, as we put off worry, as we put off fear, as we put off discontentment, and we put on prayer, trust, and gratitude, we go from a life that is ridden with anxiety to a life that is transformed by the truth of God's word and is really a life of peace. Doesn't mean every moment is peaceful, but the theme of our life isn't one of anxiety, but one of peace. And I have seen God do this work in my heart as I have put these truths into practice, have applied them to my life. God has changed my heart. And I can truly say that at the core of my being, there is a sense of peace, of true peace in the Lord, in the midst of my circumstances. Uh, they're still hard, still praying, still trusting the Lord, but he has given me a peace. I want to show you guys a really helpful tool. I encourage you to even write this. It's a little visual that helps us to understand how to truly trust God. And this is something that I go to over and over again. You'll see two circles here. Show it to all of you guys. The middle circle represents all the things in our life that God has already called us to in his word to trust and obey him for and with. Okay, what are some things that we know God is calling us to do to trust and obey him? Well, we see that he's calling us to prayer. We see that he's calling us to trust him. We see that he's calling us to put on gratitude. And other places in the word, we see he's calling us to show hospitality. We see he's calling us to read his word. We see he's calling us to love Jesus with our whole hearts. Truths of scripture that God is calling each one of us to walk in no matter our age, season, or stage, right? Calling us to walk to trust him and obey him in. So there are things that God wants us to be faithful in right now. The big circle on the outside, this represents everything in our life that is really out of our control. Circumstantial, things to come, things from the past that have happened, things that, that God wants us to entrust to him and pray. Things like infertility, right? Can't change it, can't fix it. I don't know what the future holds, but I know 
there are things God is calling me to trust and obey him in. This is one of those things that there's, I don't know what's going to happen. I am called to entrust that to the Lord and to pray about that. All right. Maybe it's your season of life. You want to get married. You want to have a boyfriend. You want something and it's just not happening. That's out of your control. God is calling you to entrust that to him. A family member who's not a believer, you want them to know the Lord, a a broken relationship. You're trying to restore it. It's not happening. Entrust and pray. So what this really did for me is I found that there were so many things that I, what, that were in this bigger circle. And rather than entrusting them to the Lord and praying about them, I was trying to control them and change them. And I was taking on a load that God did not equip me to, to bear because that's his load to bear for me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 for this inner circle, it says, trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And for everything else that's outside of the clear commands of scripture that we encounter in our lives, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that we have revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law. The secret things belong to the Lord. There are things in each one of our lives that are secret things. We don't know what tomorrow is gonna bring. We don't know how this is gonna end, what this is gonna look like in a couple years, but God does. And he's saying, the secret things belong to me. I've got it. You've got to entrust those things to me. Don't bear that load. Don't keep worrying, fretting, being anxious about it. Entrust it to me and pray. And then the things I've called you to walk in, the things we just looked at, that's our job to trust, trust and obey in those areas. And as we do this, as we categorize those things in our life, what am I called to be obedient in? Okay, what am I entrusting to the Lord? As we do that, that's when we truly experience peace. So I hope this is a helpful, helpful graph for you. If you want to write down those references, the inner circle, trust and obey, the verses Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. For the inner circle, trust and obey. Then the bigger circle, all the things, the secret things that the Lord knows that we don't know. Entrust and pray. And that scripture is Deuteronomy 29, 29. So as we wrap up this session, I just want to end with this question for you all. What do you need to trust God with? I'm sure as I've been talking, there's been something on your heart where you're like, yeah, I have been worrying, fretting been anxious. I've not been walking in prayer, trust, and gratitude. What is it for you right now? Season of life, unanswered prayer, school season coming up, like, oh, what's going to happen? Family issues, longings deep in your heart, future plans, friends, jobs. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? It truly is endless, which is why we have to walk in the truths of God's word. Jesus died on the cross so that we could be freed from walking in a perpetual state of anxiety. He has given us all we need in the gospel, in Christ. He is our ultimate hope. He has conquered sin and the grave. And as we walk in the truth of his word obediently, we entrust the unknown to him. We find so much hope. We find so much hope. So I pray as you go from this place and hopefully you review your notes later because I know you are up to here and so many amazing things you've learned. I pray that you will take this session with you into your future and choose to put on those three truths that truly will lead you to a heart of peace. I want to recommend a few things to you that have been really helpful for me in putting on God's truth. 
and that is listening to scripture music. So I don't know if you've heard of Shane and Shane, they're singers, but they have amazing albums that are just scripture. They've taken scripture and put it to music and it's amazing. So when I find myself in a place of just like really giving into fear and worry and discontentment, I will put on those playlists. You can find them in Spotify, iTunes, online, on YouTube, Shane and Shane, scripture music. And it's amazing how as we just fill our hearts with the truth of God's word, it speaks life into what we're feeling, truth into what we're feeling. So I highly recommend that. There's a lot of other ones you can just search. Scripture songs, also Bible memory. I encourage you, pick one of the verses from these two big passages, Matthew and Philippians, because when you feel that oh, that fear, worry, if you don't have any tools to combat the lies or the emotions, you don't have anything to lead your heart with truth and you're just gonna get stuck there, right? So pick some scripture and start memorizing, meditating on it, thinking about it over and over and over again. And then the last thing is that 30-day prayer or study through the names and attributes of God. I literally just Googled names and attributes of God and got multiple hits of like PDFs that have it all laid out for you. Some are broken into 30 days, some are just studies and they're free and you can just download them and look up the verses, pray, learn more about God's character. And as you do that, I think you will also be reminded of the incredible character of our God, the God that we're putting our trust and hope in. He's the reason we don't truly have to be anxious. All right, let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you God that you, that you can bring true peace to our hearts in the midst of whatever we're walking through. Lord, you see every girl and woman in this room. You see our circumstances. You see our pain. You see what we're walking through. You see past hurts. You see what's coming ahead, Lord. You see the trials that we're in the midst of, the unanswered prayers, the questions, the wondering. And Lord, these things are very real and you care about them. That's why you remind us in Philippians to bring these things to you. In Matthew, you remind us that you're with us, that you care for us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would put on these truths, Lord, that we would walk in prayer, that we would put on trust and we would put on gratitude. Lord, help us to obey what you've called us to. And then everything else, Lord, would we entrust those things to you, to the God who sees all and knows all those secret things, Lord, would we entrust and pray about those things to you, Lord. And as we do that, you promise that the God of peace will be with us. What an amazing promise, Lord. Thank you for your word and how it ministers to our hearts, revives our hearts by the truth of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.